Yeah, by the way, if that happens again, people know that you can go to GearBudsPodcast.com. It's always on GearBudsPodcast.com. Speaking of doing it, let's just do this fucking podcast. Comcast. Here it is. GearBuds Podcast, episode 129. Not 128 like last week. 129 like this week. One more. One more than last week. Mm -hmm. It's it goes, but it's one one louder. Crawling towards 130. Crawling on our hands (laughs) and knees. I'm Henry. That's Dave. What's up? This is our show. We're gonna do it. Here's a symphony of corrections. Here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you specifically for listening to this. We love you. We wish we could jam with you. We wish we could look at your guitars and drums and PA's and stuff, but. We can't. So if you want us to ever look at that stuff, why don't you send it to us on Instagram and maybe we'll repost it or something. That'd be great. Send us your gear. We want to interact with steal us. it from you. Uh, subscribe also on Spotify and Apple. We already talked about that. Follow us at the old Instagram and face space. Although again, to the, I don't know if that's going to make it or not. We we're talking a little bit about it before. I was kind of hoping Facebook would just never come back. Yeah. There, there, was, a, there, okay was, a, there was a small part of me. It's like, yeah, do I, am I going to miss my ugly guitars posts mm-hmm. and like guitar posts or people are acting like boomers yeah of course mm-hmm. but yeah. i feel like I, could, I would be okay with facebook you can search that out i mean i'm sure there's like uglyguitars.com or something there must be yeah. there's so net. but it, it's back so whatever okay. uh, facebook still exists <laughs> uh here we go touch and tips friends of the show story time with uncle hank bfi gfi free stuff we've got a little bit of all the above i think this wow. week uh wanted to give another shout out to we were talking about him a little bit beforehand our good friend balthazar delay he has set up a new demo station at this. his studio yeah. at his, in his shop and he texted me a picture of it and was like hey would you ever want to come on and and do and film a little between two ferns esque show where i ask you about your guitar playing and we roast each other and i was like balti you just like checked off the checklist I, of things there's literally nothing on earth that i'm more equipped to do than that that's awesome so i don't know if that's going to happen or not keep your eyes peeled if not just go follow it, balthazar it on does Instagram. look like a between two friends setup exactly right i was it's like between two balties yeah it's i don't got know what are you gonna, what it, are you gonna call it but uh we're we're already roasting each other basically him making fun of me for being young me making fun of him for being old mm-hmm. it's gonna be great it never gets old and and i was gonna ask is this yeah. located at where uh where he builds the amps too is it, it all? i do believe that's in it's in his shop cool. i have not been over there yet because it's a new thing but right. i'm gonna make my way over soon because i he's got some new stuff in the works i haven't seen him in a minute it's been a while we're gonna roast each other love it it'll be great also, I've been meaning to uh, give a little follow-up shout out to our good buddy Mike Horick, everyone's favorite drummer. He sent a follow-up text to me after we were talking about how he had said that Larry Mullen Jr. is the most underrated drummer of all time. He he gave himself a little uh, correction. Okay. And he now says that Alex Van Halen is the is the most underrated drummer of all time. That's that's fair, man. Nobody ever talks about Mm-mm. Alex Van Halen's drumming, nope. and that dude was rock damn solid, monster. Talk. I mean, not even not only that, but how about just like that intro to Hot for Teacher? I that mean, sounds that's like a goddamn motorcycle. One engine? of the greatest intros of all time. I have no idea how someone could do something like that. Yeah. So there is that. Let's see here. Oh, might as well keep talking about drummers. I've got I've got some drum okay. drum news. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, very recently, did you see uh, the thing Ringo Starr did uh, with the drummers and come together? No. So this was, it might have been this week, I'm not sure. Uh, Ringo Starr, uh, through an organization called whyhunger.org, has teamed up with over 100 drummers hmm. to perform a cover of the Beatles' 1969 classic, Come Together. That's going to sound cool. I already listened to it. Okay. And we'll come back to that a little bit. I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, it has so many freaking drummers. I mean, I could sit here in this whole episode, just list off drummers because mm-hmm. it's over a hundred, but like some of my favorites, he had that badass uh, little girl, Nandy Bushell, oh, Bushell her, on there, or Bushnell yeah. maybe. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, Chad Smith, Matt Cameron, Stuart Copeland, Freeze, Simon Kirk, Jim Keltner, Steve Gadd, Dave Weckl, Dennis Chambers, Cindy Blackman Santana, who we were talking about recently, Max Weinberg, Gene Hoagland, Pretty Purdy. I mean, seriously, like That's one crazy. after the other after yeah. the other. And any time, it's like this 10-minute long version of Come Together. Right. And at any time, there's probably like, except when it's just Ringo, there's like five different drummers on video playing along with it. Okay. So um, it's... I'll say well because it has that feel that yeah how's that work out well let me just say Dave you haven't listened to this yet it's 
It's something. It's cool. There's a big hunk of cheese dad going on. Yeah. You know, I assume there's an awful lot of uh, it's, I mean, the song's not 10 minutes and the video is so there it's definitely uh, rearranged and there's like a, like a big band section. I was going to say, is there more instruments? Yeah. And then, and there, you know, there are vocalists and it's typically, it's mostly female vocalists, which I think is great, but the song itself, it's good for a very good cause. You can go to why hunger dot, let me make sure I've got that right. Whyhunger.org slash drum if you want to donate to this cause. It's basically, um, it's uh, the campaign is featuring the slogan, slogan, one beat, one mission, end hunger. Aims to put an end to world hunger in the U.S. and across the globe by providing critical resources to support grassroots movements and fuel community solutions rooted in social, environmental, racial, and economic justice. Basically, a bunch of celebrities got together to raise awareness on something you can go donate. Awesome. Love that. Super yep. awesome. The song itself, huh, yeah. Still better than the Aerosmith cover, though. What was the Aerosmith cover? I might have blocked that out of my Aerosmith memory. cover had come together like, oh, in the 80s or something. Oh, 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 of course. No, no, it's not better than that <laughs> okay, at all. Yeah. No, I actually I'm, I'm like being the, mean. I like the Aerosmith cover of that song. I just had to throw it out there. I was, I was it's trying to, I, I thought that maybe Aerosmith had done some sort of like uh, ill-advised uh, charity-based no, song no, or no. something. Just their cover of Come In together. my mind, when you said that, my brain immediately jumped to that fucking horrible Mick Jagger song that he did recently. Oh, what yeah. was that one? With uh, Dave Grohl maybe or yeah, something? Yeah, it was like, it was called like stay inside or something i don't know i don't know man it was fucking trash whatever the song was it's not it's not as lame as that it does it is pretty funny to see these i mean imagine you're a drummer and then ringo Starr gets in 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 touch with you to be like hey do you want to be a a part of this yeah you're gonna play your fucking dick off right of course so you see these guys playing these like crazy gospel and then like they're showing the video of that but the song is still just like you know, there mm. are moments where people do step out and have some I was pretty say, wicked ripping solos. At least they can and adjust stuff. the faders a little. There's a lot. There's a lot of drum soloing going on in this Ooh. song. But uh, you know, I have to watch it. I'm gonna watch it. You've got to watch and it. I'll I think donate. everyone should watch it. You should go donate again. Whyhunger.org/drum. Oh, I, and one thing I have to say, as long as we're here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, White Sox postseason baseball is happening right now. I don't know who the drummer was, but there is one drummer in this video that is in a full Sox uniform. Wow. He's got a jersey and hat Must on. Be a Chicago and guy, I don't maybe. know who he was. I didn't. I, there's a you can go to the website and there's a full list of everyone. I I I, I wouldn't even know how to figure out who it was. Yeah. Anyways, unless it's like the guy in the Sox gear. But yeah, um, he does like a little fill and, and he definitely had socks. So and they're all are they playing together or is this? It's all separate. They're all recorded individually. Okay, so it's recorded. I know I was going to say because obviously we've tackled the live thing on here before with the virtual live. Can't do it. Okay, so it's recorded and then they probably sent it into like a certain BPM and And it must have been somebody like to a click or whatever. And you you can see that people are reading charts. It so okay, you know there are a lot of these guys. You know are the Mike Mangini's of the world. These people that Steve Gadd, like people that can just like play anything any chart immediately. Uh, there, Mike Mike Portnoy's in there. I mean, seriously, I could just That's like cool. you listen. You name a drummer, they're probably in it. Yeah, I didn't see Dave Grohl though, which is or That's Taylor really Hawkins. Now that I'm thinking about it, That's, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look, uh, but yeah, I didn't notice him either. Okay. You'd think of all people, he, he might have been on there, yeah. but maybe he's just like he's realized that he's oversaturated shit. So yeah, he's chilling uh, out, dude. I we didn't even talk about it yet. What? But look over your right shoulder. Because we haven't yet the Lego discussed guitar? the Lego guitar. Dude, that's I in love the room. it. Well, you sent me a cute little picture the I other day. I sent a cute little picky pick. Oh, and you're getting the uh, amp. I'm working. Now. I'm building the Princeton. I have. I haven't had enough time to finish that yet. It is such a charming, delightful build. I mean, so many thoughtful little details have gone into it that um, I want to mention it because, like, I'm sure I'm going to finish it by Monday, and I'm yeah. and I'm going to want to use it as the episode image. Great. So we've got to sh- shoehorn it into the episode Perfect. here. But man, like, I haven't even finished building the amp yet. But there's, I mean, there's an actual spring reverb tank in it. Wait, like, what? Yeah, you like build the spring reverb tank. No like, shit. it's so many ke- things that you'll never. What see. What are the strings made of? They're actual string. Okay, like, cool. Like, not guitar string, although a, a very serious part of me is considering putting metal putting metal on strings. That'd on be it. really funny. And then I also like the strap. It's got it's got an it actual has strap, the, like that one Fender strap that just like comes with Everybody guitars, has it, and I yeah. have got like four of them. Yep. But it had it's it's got a little twist to it because it has Lego bricks on it instead of instead of just being plain. It's hmm. so cute. I want a real life size one of it. The it, I built the red body. It comes with all the parts to also build a black body. Um, so I'll probably swap that and do Ooh, black. Oh, I'm yeah. surprised you picked red. I, red was just the first one. It was like you start here with red or but jump it comes ahead with to black. The, but the it pieces. comes with the pieces for both. But just so, one neck just one neck so you've got to swap the neck out it'd been cool if they would have done a maple and a rosewood dude like two necks because it is it is rosewood because then it you is. can build a blackie oh 
could do the air. But then you'd have to. Well, then you'd have. Well, because oh, I'm thinking black one like a Gilmore or and that. Then yeah. Because then I'd want a black picker. Yeah. You have the people pieces. Are, people are definitely going to mod the shit out of this and do all sorts of different stuff. I hope so. you're on the forefront of that, dude. To be, I'm honest. thinking about it. I, I <laughs> usually what I do is first I do like the build, yeah, at, you know, as described, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I do like that it has the big oversized '70s uh, Fender headstock. Too. You it's also like, put your little right. touch on it. You, uh, yeah. You I mean, I went with Diadario, the color scheme for the yeah. strings. Yeah. Uh, it came with like the tuner covers, just quote like unquote, the silver that are just like gray, yeah, yeah, silver. But I decided to leave it with the with the Diadario string color I love system it, exposed. It looks like Dakota red to me from here. It, dude, know? it's that is a straight Dakota's. Yeah, uh, no candy apple in nope, here. No, nope. And then yeah, like I said, I haven't finished the re- the Princeton yet, but it's so charming. Well, I'm it's cool. So Just I can see it, it now. It's like half done, and I can see the back of the speaker and everything. Yeah, so. you have to build an actual baffle like for the speaker. Like the speaker is actually sitting in a speaker baffle right now, and then there's like a grill cloth in front of it. So the, the speaker just came as like a speaker. No, I built that. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't with my shitty eyesight. I can't tell. It, well, that's it's such pieces. a high quality build. Yeah. You can't tell. Right. Uh, and also, I've one hundred percent already decided that because I have. I built uh, like a mini amp. Remember that one I built in the mm-hmm. White Castle yep. uh, container? I think I'm just going to mod it into that and, and turn that into like a working amplifier. Do it. Yeah. So doing it, I'm doing the stock build, then mod time. I love it, man. Yeah. I think it's so cool. I forgot. I honestly didn't even have that on the uh, on the outline here, but um, well, I, I remember. I mean, I don't remember if we talked about it on the pod, but we, we were at least texting about it. And I remember when those came out. Yeah. I think, and we well, they were cool. announced like last month uh-huh. and then went for sale October 1st which I bought that day. Okay. And then it was here like 2 days later. Nice. And then I mean we're just a few days after that now cuz that's how time works, Dave. I love and, <laughs> I love uh, the Legos, man. I do too. Me it's too. So There's fun. a foot switch that you'll build. It's a whole oh, thing. Oh, come on, yeah, really? It's for real. Is there a cord? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, dude. So, very excited about that. That will be the episode image. No big deal. Let's keep it rolling. Here we go. Did you see that uh we talked about I think we Talked about it at least a few episodes ago, but that Johnny Ramones, uh, his uh, Moss right sold. Yeah. Oh, it sold. Yeah. So that was that went up for auction. Mm-hmm. We talked about it before the auction. It has since been auctioned. It was. Give cool. me a guess. What do you just? What do you think that would have would have sold for? I didn't. I'm. I, you don't know anything about say, what it went no, up I don't, for or any of that sort of stuff. The link. Um, I'm gonna say two hundred thousand. That's a good guess. Nine hundred thirty-seven thousand. Oh, that was not a good guess. Well, <laughs> here's why. So I was thinking about this a lot. It was a 1965 Maserat Ventures II. Right. They estimated before the auction. They estimated five hundred thousand. Okay. Here is why the so the guy who bought it remains anonymous, or it could be Gail. Um, Johnny died in two thousand four. Originally purchased a guitar for five hundred dollars. Here is why I think it's worth every penny. Mm-hmm. First of all, I mean the Ramones are fucking sick. Yeah. But he played that at every single Ramones performance from 1977 through 1996. Oh, wow. And all 15 albums. I did every not know record, that. every show. He played 1,985 shows. I've got the exact number with that guitar. I did not know that. Which that's different than, you know, buying like a Hendrix strap yeah, that he or played he had, at Woodstock for like a couple or guitars. Or have a bunch backstage. Every single Ramones gig and Whoa. record was played. I mean, sure, there 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 must have been backups and things, but that was his number one guitar. He didn't like any other guitar. He only ever wanted. Yeah, he to play never that just came out could. with a different one to start off the set. And to me, that makes that worth every oh, bit of dude. a million dollars. That it that does. Right? I'm trying to think now, like who besides like maybe like Stevie Ray Vaughan or something like that. He like, even had a handful of different did strats. He? Yeah. Well, who like I'm trying to think if anybody ever played like just one guitar through time. I mean, there was like, I think the part of the reason people really love Greeny is because he was known for playing that Les Paul, even though he sold it like very early on. Right. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there are almost no guitar players that just basically played, played one that guitar. One. They've, they've had ones that play one style of guitar. Like uh, Malcolm Young comes to mind. He had a few of those Gretches that he played pretty much like he would only play the one if he could, but he had backups. But like, you know, I don't think anybody would argue that Malcolm Young is as iconic or identifiable as yeah, Johnny no, Ramone, they think of Angus, you know? For sure, yeah. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's something I want to think about. Yeah, I do too. Who, yeah. Who, uh, or send us some, send us some emails and comments. Who, Cause yeah, we, we who know out like, there has only played one guitar and then we're not talking about Joe Pooh, but down at the chug, chug suckle yeah. drinking Heineken's, like, you know, you know uh, slamming yeah. Coogs. Like any high school kid with one guitar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Your first squire doesn't yeah, count. Yeah, it doesn't count. Cheech. Um, but that's if a cool, there's a, if a cool there's a celeb, 
If there's a famous have we never talked musician, about this yeah, this is a new one. Wow, single single instrument, or even like Jocko Bass of Doom. Like I guess that kind he of he had a few, he had a few, but others. he had a few other because he lost that one. Yeah, he, he would replace the neck on it, which I think changes it. Jamerson's P bass, but he never played live, so that's no. A he had, he thing played too. live like three times or something. That he was a he was a studio cat. But plus, this band's what. Uh, 30 years almost? Yeah, it was from, what they, what they say, um, 1977 through 1996. Jeez. And so he died in 2004. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, man. That's cool. Very cool. Uh, notice something on the top of the reverb page, and I didn't know if you noticed this. There is now native advertising happening on reverb.com. Really? Like yeah. For, for clothing and such? Or like no, so it was for a gear thing. And oh. you know, it, it's within there. It has their font. It has their color. It's just oh. a banner on the top that I didn't even sort of notice at first. It kind of blended in, but I was like, it said, it said something about blah 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 wa eight thousand. I'm like, what is that? And then it said, click here, and it, and then it even specifically had a little like ad thing on there, and it's a, for a new warm audio yeah, microphone. I was say new warm. Uh, they've got uh, it's basically their their take on the Sony C eight hundred, which is mm-hmm. like a ten thousand dollar microphone. Yeah, I got the email and it looks freaking cool man. yeah it's dope yeah. it's got the heat sink it looks just like it. it's 1200 bucks so they must are they partnered with they reverb must have then? done a partnership with reverb mm-hmm. which you know i don't i love reverb and i love warm audio we yeah. you know we're we're big fans around here i don't know how i feel about the native advertising happening on their site like it feels sort of conflict of interesty it's like uh, does well, ebay do that no you know what i mean does Mm-mm. ebay have like uh, no i don't think a so. brand it's strictly just a platform that's moving on its own uh-huh. it's when that i well, you know, ever since Reverb partnered with Etsy, yeah. I mean, these kind of things are going to start creeping totally. in. Um, and I feel like sort of like a old man yells at the sky sort of situation. <laughs> but also, I don't know, like, again, Reverb is a platform for buying buying and selling gear. It felt a little strange to me to notice yeah. an ad specifically for one piece of gear. I mean, integrated, we, so like banners and, and sidebar ads, whatever, all that stuff that happens, but sure. it, lo- it looks like it's part of the reverb site. Well, yeah, especially if it has like their branding. Their stuff. branding, yeah, um, exactly. That's interesting. I wonder mm-hmm. if they did partner with Check them. it out. I wonder if, because yeah. often com- companies will do split variant, ABUI testing, whatever. Like you might not even be seeing that. Sure. I might just be in the test group. Yeah. But I'd be very curious for you to know. T- check it out next time you go. I will. Like I haven't, I actually haven't checked, I haven't noticed if it's on the phone app or not. I only noticed it on the desktop version. Yeah, I guess I don't know how I feel about it because you think of reverb, you think of just everything. Well, I mean, I guess they have new items as well as used. They do, yeah. So, you know, where do they get And I don't know. Stuff? I wonder, I haven't noticed before if Warm Audio sells direct, you know? Like, I, wonder, I don't know if oh. they only sell through vendors. I think they do. I think if you click on, like, where to buy something, it just gives you a list of, like, the vendors they're, that yeah. sell it. You know? So it's interesting then that they're doing a direct link on there, but it's more, it's like to a landing page that gives more information about the mic. But maybe that's not true because now that I think about it, a few weeks ago I was talking about a deal that they're having and they have the, the was that direct? It looked like it was through the website. So maybe they do sell direct. Yeah. I mean the literally on the email was like, buy this now for this price, unless it brings you to reverb to Sweetwater or (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Something to keep an eye on there. See if there's more of that. Couple other things here before we move on. Wanted to mention I've got a free some for free stuff. I haven't actually used it yet, but it's a company called Nembrini Audio has released a free plugin that's called Black Distortion, which is basically a rat pedal. Mm-hmm. So if you already don't have a rat pedal plugin for your for your DAW of choice, uh, go to gearbuds.com slash free stuff or gearbudspodcast.com slash free stuff to be clear. And uh, I'll throw that link up there because cool. you should get it. And everyone needs a rat. Yeah. Two more things. One, got to give a RIP to SWR's Steve Ray. Oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know if folks know, but uh, family of Steve Ray, founder and president of SWR Engineering, has announced his passing on September 30th at the age of 73. Known for his innovative and breakthrough designs and bass amplification products, he was the chief engineer from his founding of the company in 1984. Hell yeah. Shout mm-hmm. out 1984 birth year until it was sold in 1997 which was then sold to fender right so he was the guy that pre-fender era is what people always want with defined swr's amps and that cabinet that i have sitting right next to me right now is a pre-fender swr goliath like that he was one of the people that did that yeah that's a pre-fender yeah and uh his Um, swr i didn't know this stephen william rabe that's what it stands for. Right. I didn't Had, know that either. I never knew that's what that company was. And didn't meant. say he worked for Acoustic or something like that in there? Uh, yeah. He So prior to SWR, he worked at Acoustic and AMP. He developed his own ideas for hybrid designs that included a tube pre-solid state power section. That's cool. 
Uh, in addition to iconic base models and memorable names such as the Redhead and Goliath, I'm happy I happen to be sitting next to the Goliath right now. SWR produced the California Blonde series, which set a new standard mm-hmm. in acoustic guitar amplification, which I can attest to because yeah. this amp's fucking rule. I think uh, every like open mic I've ever been to, they that's been like the staging. If they have a good amp, that's the one. Yeah. Like, or if it's a shitty one, they've got the Fender Acoustic Sonic. Sorry, yeah, Fender. For sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, wait. So he wait. You're saying uh, rewind it back. He, yeah. He came up with the tube pre. I don't for I, solid state. They're saying that he worked on that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't know if he was the first person to ever yeah. do it. But now that I think about it, I mean, I don't know. The only other one that I that comes to mind is actually the opposite, which was Music Man amps yes. used a solid, solid state. state pre tube power section. Right. I don't know. I I can't think of 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 something that predates SWR right. with the tube preamp solid state power section. Because I remember uh, the SWR head I had, I think it was the 350 uh-huh. or something like that. I think that might have been post Fender. But anyways, it did have a nice sounding uh, tube pre I've always loved SWR bass amps. Yes, man. Fantastic, man. Super reliable. Yeah. So uh, yeah. rest in peace. Uh, he leaves behind yeah. his wife, Linda, and sons, Brian and Michael. But everyone, it seems like ev- everything that I've read about him, he was just one of those sort of like universal, universally loved, respected yeah. kind of cats. So awesome. he had a long, long, great life. And as a gear bud, it's time to give you. him a little salute here. Uh, before we get to my favorite section every week, I want to give a little a little review of my own, Dave. Okay. And I played a what I would consider to be a sort of music slash gear centric video game. Oh, was this one I, we talked I would about? Like last to share. Week? We didn't talk about it on the show, did we? right? No, no, no. We were talking about Radiohead's gear. Oh, that's not it. Okay. This is a different thing. Okay. This is a full-on original game. Uh, I'm not done with it yet, but I probably will finish it. It's called The Artful Escape. Hmm. And it's kind of, I would describe as like a side-scroller type game. You know, you jump around and do stuff. But it's really really story-driven. And you can tell that this game was made by and for musicians cool the, the story is basically about this kid or kid he's like a college age type guy who lives in this town that seems vaguely like somewhere in oregon or something like that and he is an um he's a musician folk musician but his his uncle was essentially this world's bob dylan Wow. Like very famous folk musician. Mm-hmm. And so the story is this guy is like everyone is expecting him just to follow in his uncle's footsteps. He can kind of sing and play like him. Everyone wants him to be like him. But he sees himself as this like intergalactic David Bowie concept, weird, weird sci-fi rock guy. And like so it's the, the, the struggle is about like this. There's this big festival that's to, supposed to be happening in the town to honor his uncle but he wants to like play his own music but everyone's like giving him shit and there's you know there's like a gangster type guys like ah oh, you don't you don't play your uncle's music i'm gonna get you and really? stuff that kind of stuff oh that sounds cool yeah but dude everything about it again just screams made by musicians yeah. like when you know like something i was noticing like i was scrolling around in the menus and like the the sound effect that plays when you just like make different selections sure. is definitely drumsticks clicking together really yeah and and like the soundtrack is awesome. Yeah, the music is super. And is good. it like a is it like a you know high end graphics and stuff, or is it more of like a like a user made game? Type no, it's thing? very good graphics. It's a very unique art style. It's kind of I gotta see this. It's kind of so. illustrative, um, but sort of three dimensional. I don't know how to describe it. It's gorgeous. I want to see the it. Visuals man. are yeah, beautiful. Yeah, this sounds really cool. Uh, there are so many good jokes. Uh, like, well, first of all, um, Jason Schwartzman's in the, like one of the voices oh, cool. in, the, in the game. Uh, I noticed that there was a, there's like a landscape store that you go, go past and it's called page and plant. <laughs> um, nice. there's a dude, there's uh there is this like sort of like gang of thugs that are all skiffle musicians and like they make skiffle jokes. Really? It, dude, it's so funny. Dude, I, did you download it on Xbox? It's something? on Xbox. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to check the it artful out. escape. I, again, it's, it's like. More story, I would say, than video game. Sure. You know, it's not like heavy action. I kind of dig that, yeah. But it's as as a musician, it's just like so charming. There's just to little get everything, especially things. if you are like us and you you know grew up with classic rock and yeah. all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's it's so. And then like there was one moment where it was like hold X to shred an intergalactic sci-fi solo or something like that. And he just plays this like ripping crazy really? solo. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh man. Yeah. 
Okay, I got to definitely. And like, there's gear involved. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. The art pool is. Oh, did you find that? Did they use like any licensing of any kind? I haven't seen any any brands that you would recognize, but they sort of nod and wink, make up their own maybe or something. And like the guitar he plays is this acoustic guitar, but it's got like. You know, like a, it looks like the flaming lips, like when they have like pickups and weird shit, yeah. and electronics and stuff. It's like on a there. hybrid thing, exactly. Cool, it's cool. that kind of thing. But you can tell, like it's six strings, and the way the way that they play is influenced by someone that plays the instrument. It's not like you know how sometimes you'll see a movie. It's like we've talked about, like mm-hmm. anytime they cut to Ralph Macchio on Crossroads, like they have to be shown from show behind because like yeah. it, it's just like so wrong. Like everything has been right so far. Oh wow! But it's also it's not so over the top only music that. I think other people would like it too because yeah. it, it is an interesting, engaging story, and and the, the graphics are great and stuff. Oh, so, I love this, man. Yeah, check yeah, it out. The Artful Escape. Fun. I'm I'm surprised stuff like this hasn't really existed, you know, before. I mean, it yeah. seems like this is kind of a new. There are there are some video. Maybe we could do a whole show about that. There yeah. are some video game. We should music things, and I mean, of course, all going back to things like Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Yeah, like, that was like yeah. the sort of the of course ultimate but also i think totally fucking killed all of it too well there was that would be a really interesting episode now yeah I think about there it. was that one where jack black was like he did the voice for Brutal it. legend i yes. have it yeah, yeah, I yeah, that yeah sitting right there it's basically a nathan explosion kind of guy yeah that like game that it was funnier than it was good like right. there, the action wasn't super exciting yeah. in that game but i i do own it for we should sure. do, definitely do an episode where we talk video games okay like, all right dude that's a great idea yeah, do a little right. research well also great idea is me getting to say my favorite two words that i get to say where we get those fucking notes going boom 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 Dave's Dogs! Yeah! Wow. Yeah, I I was not warmed up, and I'm pretty okay with how that turned out. Uh, What do you have for us this week? That was a hearty intro for an extremely depressing documentary. Oh, was it Elliot Smith? Yeah. Yeah, Did you watch it? No. Okay. Do you you know of him? I love Elliot Smith. Okay, cool. I fucking... Here's my thing, dude. I never really... Like I'm sure I've heard his music because, Mm -hmm. you know, Good Will Hunting and all that, which we'll get into a little bit. Also, Royal Tenenbaums. Yes. um, And just... But there's so much I didn't know about him, and like every every song that they played during the film, you know, they have his music in it. Obviously. So what's the what's the documentary? Oh, sorry. So Elliot Smith, Heaven Adores You, 2015. It came out. It's on Amazon Prime. Really? Yeah. I don't wow, know. I don't know how I missed this. Oh, I would have definitely watched it. It kept coming up in my feed, and to be honest, a friend of mine recommended it to me to watch. I was like, I don't really know who this guy is. Uh-huh. I don't know. I kind of cruise past it. You know me. I'm more into like, where's the rock ones? Yeah, and dude. Like the heavy ones and stuff. But this was fucking good. It was really sad. So it has licensed music, you said? All licensed music. Um, interviews with him. You okay. know, like, like you know, obviously uh, when he was still alive. Yes. Um, the, they open up with a quote. I, I like when docs open up with a quote. Yeah. I think it sets the tone for it. And he said, uh, I'm the wrong kind of person to be really big and famous. Hmm. And it was really interesting. And I know that's like such a hipster thing to say nowadays, but like in the 90s, you know, that just seemed like a little different of a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, because now everybody wants to claim that they don't care. But he like really didn't want to be like big at all. Give give us some background. What was the story? Let me start because it it opened up with kind of the end. So I want to get to that later. But um, so basically he did five solo albums and he won an Oscar for best song. In Goodwill Hunting, I did not realize that part. Yeah, that movie won a shitload of Oscars. Yeah, so of course the soundtrack won something too. Uh, the um, he actually performed at the Oscars the song. Too, no way, really? which I didn't know. No, I had no idea. And um, and it's just weird because he's wearing like a white suit and like he's standing instead of sitting on a stool, which he usually sat down and played. And for anybody who doesn't know, he was predominantly, I guess you could say, sort of folk. Yeah, I, let me rewind a little. Yeah, like he pre emo um, type, really pre emo. Like, yeah. in, like as far as early as like the mid '90s, early '90s, he um he grew up playing guitar and piano, and his his style is just like this finger picking, incredible mm-hmm. style. But it's you know a lot of the songs are very melancholy. He he wasn't a rock band too. Um, yeah, uh, Heat Miser, right? Heat Miser was his rock band. Um, and I'm kind of jumping around a lot, but. Basically, he met up with guys. He moved to you know Portland from Dallas mm-hmm. when he was like a teenager. Um, kind of formed Heat Miser around that time. Um, in the Portland music scene, I thought it was it was kind of interesting people describing it: loud guitars and shouting vocals. Um, they named a bunch of bands. The only two that I wrote down were Cracker Bash and Hazel. Um, okay. They're just some good names. Yeah. I was like, some of the coolest band names ever came out of like the '90s Portland, and scene. also very close to Cracker and Sister Hazel, other '90s bands. Exactly. So um, I thought, you know, but it, honestly, when they were playing his songs, I was like, every song, I'm like, okay, I need to go get these yeah. albums now. Like they're so fucking good. Yeah, we sort of talked about from a basement on the hill a little bit last week in that Flaming Lips thing because Stephen Droz played drums on there. That's right. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Um, 
So yeah, I was wondering. I was like, why did that sound familiar? It, and, it, already, it's, and it's his drums. I mean, you, you totally it's so identifiable. Um, so uh, Heat Miser was was you know chugging along doing shows and all this stuff, and then he decides that he wants to record. Then I think they recorded an album at that time, and then he decides he wants to record a solo album. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Roman Candle. Mm-hmm. And it came out and it was like just him and a guitar, basically, like some string sections, some piano, but really kind of more melancholy style, like really pre emo, mm-hmm. as I guess you could describe it. Um, he got compared to Simon and Garfunkel, mainly Paul Simon, yeah. for this record. Like a lot of people, like in the movie, like four different people mentioned. No it. way. And he, of course, hated that. He's yeah. like, you know, you dude, just I'm my own guy, you know, whatever. Um, he went on a short tour with these five solo acts who were kind of already established. And I didn't get their names, but I didn't recognize any of them yeah. too, uh, predominantly. But he would open because he was kind of like the young kid, the new kid. And he said he would just shut the room down. Like it yeah. would just, you could hear a pin drop while he was playing. Nobody wanted to go on after him. Can't even imagine, seriously. And so he would just, he just had this thing about him. So already you you've got this sense of like, people don't know who he is like the fans don't and even some musicians don't but everybody who works with him is like you've got it like they started putting him under their wing they're mm-hmm. like dude we got to take this guy on the road we've got to help this guy out like he's going to be like the biggest fucking thing in the world um they go back to, and i haven't heard this term in a long time they talk about the sound scan remember sound scan? oh my god i, I have got about sound i haven't scan. heard sound scan in so long but uh, for people who don't know sound scan was like a thing especially in like the 90s you could keep track of like who was buying records. And yeah, it was all like over the a US. Nielsen or something. Yeah, it's that, like a Nielsen ratings yeah. thing for television. So they found out Portland was buying 70% of his records. That he wow. Sold. So he was huge in Portland, yeah. which started to get weird for him because he's like, I don't want to be this big. And so he actually ends up, um, well, they built a house uh, in 96. He got money from a label. I'm assuming Heat Miser was on a label. They say Virgin, but I, I couldn't tell if maybe I was just hearing it wrong. It could have been like a subsidiary. Yeah, or but they, they asked for money and they so they bought a house with a studio in it. But then they realized like they weren't getting shit done because they just have this house and they could be as lazy as they mm-hmm. want to. So they hired engineers and producers to come in and like kind of, you know, work with them. And so they interview a lot of those guys um, throughout the movie, which is just, there's some really cool stories. Um, of course, he's getting recognized more and more as a genius, this kind of stuff. Um, and then he, uh, he moves to New York City. He writes a song called Say Yes, which was a pretty big hit mm-hmm. song. I've heard it on Q101 before in the radio and stuff. Um, and he moves to New York City and he kind of left Portland because he was like, I want to go somewhere where I'm not really known, even though people now in New York, like definitely, like especially in Brooklyn, knew who the They're fuck he know, was. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he moves out there um, and then he starts the drugs and the drinking like mm-hmm. really heavy. Um, he's going on the road. He's so he wasn't he up. wasn't doing heroin or anything like that before. I think they, they alluded to the fact that he started doing heroin, like dabbling it. in it. But he was drinking really heavy on the road. And, and uh, one of his friends was talking and she's like he would call me up and he would just be like, I'm really sorry if I ever do anything like mm. kind of giving these hints, you know, that like there's like suicidal tendencies yeah. going on, which was really disturbing to hear. Um, especially for somebody who's getting that much fame and everything. And like, everything's going great for this. Right. Guy, you know, it um, just proves that it has nothing to do with your external stuff. It's all internal. When yeah, it comes to that kind exactly. Of thing. Um, so the, and then the whole thing in, this is the kind of part that bummed me out about the doc. I really wanted to hear more about the Goodwill Hunting thing because mm-hmm. that that's really one of the biggest movies of all time. Yeah. Like you know, as far as like it's just a fantastic, timeless movie, and it won all these awards, and he won an Oscar for it. And they never really talked about in the doc how like that happened, like how he got connected into that yeah, world. Right. I mean, just to be like asked, like, oh, you know, maybe it was like the you know, maybe the you know, well, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were like. You know, he's just kind of this unknown or kind of okay known guy, and they're like they they didn't want like a big name on it. Yeah, I find that stuff so fascinating because there's there's often a music supervisor on, yeah. on a team, and they're going to go through a list of music. And, and it depends on also like the um, whoever the studio was that made the film. They might already have relationships with music labels that they then have easier access to license the song. It could have happened any number of ways. Yeah, I want to know how now. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm you know, I'm sure we could read about it, yeah. but. For some reason, they didn't go over it in the documentary. Yeah. Maybe it was licensing things or something like that. But they did show him playing um, at the Oscars. I thought it was kind of funny. You could tell they they said something about he brought his girlfriend to the Oscars, and you could tell they didn't want him like on the red carpet just because his appearance. I guess he's just mm. kind of you know not he doesn't look like all the other celebrities. Kind of raggedy, kind of raggedy, sickly, kinda, a little kinda, bit. Yeah, and you know it's just like he's got like unkempt hair, and he's never. I mean, not to not to. Uh, cast aspersions at the dead but he was never like a handsome man Mm-mm, no you know? he was really just he wasn't like some like pre-made hollywood star no he, did, he wasn't a peter frampton by no. any means no he definitely <laughs> he's definitely not a frampton I but like which that. makes the story so much more interesting excuse me yeah it makes it so much more interesting because of 
you know, that's when you think of folk singers and stuff, you don't think of like, oh, how handsome they are. You mm-hmm. just think of like how beautiful the music is that exactly. they've written. So he fit that mold perfectly. Did he ever move to L.A.? I feel like he yeah. lived in L.A. Yeah, so he moved to L.A. after the whole, like, uh, Goodwill Hunting shit. Mm-hmm. I think it was around, like, 99 or 2000. Uh, he recorded a record called Figure Eight. Figure Eight, in that's 2000. the big one, yeah. And, um, and know, there's a famous, I think they might have even painted over it, but the cover of that yes. was a mural in L.A. Yes. And people would go and, like... They decorated it after he passed away. But then I'm pretty sure someone else even bought that building and, like, painted oh, really? over it, and it was a big controversy. Oh, wow. So it might not yeah. even be there. I, mean, I don't know. Oh. I don't think it's there anymore. Oh, wow. That would be really sad. But that was, like, a pilgrimage his fans would make and go and take a picture in yeah. front of it. Yeah, shit. because, um, and it was actually, the art director uh, was a female friend of his, and they had worked together on, like, his first videos hmm. and stuff. So it was kind of like, you know, they were old friends. And he's like, you know, I want to do something cheery for this video. And everybody wants to put me in like a dark room with like a black suit on yeah, and stuff. Right. So she's like, so she like gives him this balloon, but he's just walking down the street like with this balloon and he walks in front of that mural mm-hmm. and that's, and then that becomes the album cover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of this funny thing where it's like everybody just wanted to cast him in this like dark light. And I think you start to feel that way when you're one of those types of musicians where people, I don't, I'm, I'm, I know he has upbeat songs and like happier stuff, but you know, people thought of him as like this kind of depressed, like, you know, well, yeah. I mean, if, if you've ever seen Royal Tenenbaums in the scene where, what is it? Richie uh, Tenenbaum, the tennis player right. commits suicide or attempts to make, commit suicide. That's the needle in the hay by Elliot Smith. Yeah. Playing. Right. Like, that's right. Just one of the most heartbreaking. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I just realized yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. So it, you know, it, it goes downhill from there, unfortunately, and I'll try to wrap it up, mm-hmm. but we should give the full story. Yeah. Um, after nine 11, he got super depressed. He was calling his friends from New York and he was like, you know, I hope you're okay. He goes, I'm not okay. Like he was telling people, he was reaching out Mm -hmm. and people didn't know what to do. You know, they didn't know whether they should go see him or whatever. And then he, uh, he ends up playing a gig at the crystal ball or something like some big famous place Mm -hmm. in, in LA. And some friends went out to see him. I think they were old bandmates or close friends. And they're like, he just looked gone, like completely drugged out. You know, just not mm. uh, physically. Just he. They said he looked like he turned into an old man since like the last time Damn. we saw him. He was what in his late twenties, maybe or yeah, something at so. this point. So um, yeah, that's a good point. I don't actually know what his age was when he yeah. passed. Um, and then he he passed away. Uh, he took his. Well, they don't. This is crazy. He passed away from two stab wounds to the chest. Right. Um, which is some medieval shit. If that's mm-hmm. how you're gonna kill yourself. But here's the thing. Like, they said there were no drugs in his system, and the coroner they left it undecided. They actually couldn't prove right. he may have been murdered. I mean, it's possible, but I don't know. I, they don't really, yeah. it was, it was inconclusive. To I, I had he always heard died. that he did stab himself in the chest, yeah. which is also just like, I don't even feasibly understand how you could Twice. execute that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would just, you would just, you would suffer so badly. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that, that's how he passed away, which is really kind of the, how the movie ends, which kind of bummed me out. Um, so, I mean, it's a great story. I'm, I'm going to go download like his early shit, man. Yeah. I, like, I get that first record. I love honestly everything I've ever heard. That's, I think all of his, everybody really, you know, said, and I know it's a documentary and people say mm-hmm. nice things about people who've passed away and stuff, but it legit seemed like this guy was really something special. He and was. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I wish, you know, overall I, I thought it was very good. It was well done. Like the timeline was interesting. It was slower cause it was, I think they set a tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would be weird if it was like this fast-paced, upbeat kind of thing. Yeah, it was, it was like, like hey, we all know how it's gonna fucking end. And they did, like when he was in Heat Miser and stuff, they were rocking and yeah. like they're like drinking and partying, and everyone's like you know doing fu- like funny interviews mm-hmm. and stuff. And but I think um, yeah, the the tone of the overall film was was sad and slow. But uh, I wish they had gone more in depth about the Goodwill Hunting thing, man. That 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 fascinates me so much because that it feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, and and again, it might have been a licensing thing yeah, or something. Right. Um, you can still talk about it. I know, I because I, they showed they had Oscars footage, yeah, like right. so it wasn't like they couldn't you know get hmm. to Hollywood and talk to about that. So um, yeah, so I, I mean that's that's the film. Uh, I gave it a, a seven and a half out of ten. Portland hipsters, nice. Um, I would give it a higher score. I think I like his music more than I liked the film. Yeah, and I want to go back and listen to the record. So I'm a fan now. You love know? to hear Absolutely. that. Yeah, love to, love to yeah. hear when the when the documentary leads to some fandom. And I also want to say, uh, stay tuned the next couple episodes because. I've got a I've got a list of some docs that you got, are coming. Are you out. bringing some heat miser? I'm bringing heat. I'm bringing heat miser to the to the next few because you know as you know as we go in ups and downs with the docs sometimes. You know uh-huh. I feel like 
Uh, sometimes I'll run out of ideas. This one I've I've been wanting to watch for a couple weeks actually, and it was funny you mentioned it on last week's episode. All the all the Elliot. Smith I don't remember thing, what yeah. it was in relation to, but like you said something about it, and I was like, that's so funny. I brought so, up Elliot Smith, and you're like, wait, did you see the doc? Or oh yeah, like, yeah. No, I, like, I haven't, dude. Yeah, so, that's what I've got you for. I know, so I'm pumped because I've got a couple more in the queue. You know, I try to. Watch I know. One I mean, I know one of them is. Yeah, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think you do, and um, and then there's a couple more after that. So, dude, fuck yeah, stick around, guys. It's coming. Yep. Great one. Love a good Dave's doc. Oh, Oof. I will say, uh, yeah. gear spotting. Uh, the mm -hmm. Guy had an addiction to three thirty fives, man. For did sure. he really? He had a few of them. Yeah, I, I just you know I picture him with an acoustic, so it's interesting that he, he had the a acoustic. And I think guy. the when he had when he was playing with his band, not just Heat Miser, but he had a backing band. Yeah, too. right. Three thirty fives all day, which is cool because I you think okay, I this that. is this is pre market getting insane. He probably maybe bought some vintage ones. Yeah. You know, I oh, couldn't tell by death. looking at him, but. You know, they look they look kind of beat up and stuff. Well, we might be talking a little bit Gibson uh, here in Future Gear in a minute, but first we've got a couple other things to talk about. First of all, I know you've seen this. We were talking about it. We were texting about it. Universal Audio has some new interfaces, dude. Focused, right? They're coming for you. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Oh it's, man. I mean, right in the same price range. So Universal Audio has announced the Volt series. Uh, there are interfaces that connect via USB to both Mac or Windows computers, along with iPhones and iPads, which is a very exciting thing for those of I us that... I don't believe uh, Focusrite does that, though. They either. do not, so currently. They so that's, up on that's a there. thing. Uh, there are five different interfaces to start, which they made clear to start, so this could expand. Yeah, it sounds um, like it. There are two standard volts and three Volt 76 models. The Volt 1 is one in, two out. Volt mm -hmm. 2 is two in, two out. They have all the standard features you'd expect, like phantom power, headphone out, LED indicators for clipping. Uh, the special touch that UA puts on is that they have this vintage button, which emulates the company's classic 610 tube preamp, which incidentally is what we use to record our vocals for the podcast. Um, and bring some tube-like saturation to your incoming signal. Now, there's also the Volt 176, and each of those are both under 200 bucks. I yeah, think it's like 150 That's what blew me away, actually, when I read the article. I was like, oh, shit, they're really coming Directly. into that market. I mean, I, I love it, though, man, because yeah. you think of them, and you think of really high-end, like really expensive right. modules. You know? and, and they're bringing that quality to a, a much more affordable uh, feature set and price set. So they've also got the Volt 176, 276, and 476, uh, they get the name from their built-in 1176-style compressors, cool. one, two, four being the amount of inputs. So they haven't um, done an eight yet. They have not done but an eight yet. But is that just then? That's just at that point. Maybe I mean, maybe they will yeah. eventually. Uh, so in addition to having the option with that vintage 610 preamp, you also get a true analog compressor, uh, which it only has – It does. it's not fully tweakable. It just has presets, vocal, guitar, or fast. The fast setting be useful for drums or anything with like a really fast, quick transient. Um with the exception of the 476, which is the four-channel version, every interface is bus-powered, meaning just the USB cable to the don't computer. Need, don't need power. No, don't need power, which wow. is another nice thing. Yeah, that is. Includes um, some software, including stuff from Ableton, Melodyne, Marshall, Ampeg, etc. The important thing to note, however, is that unlike the Apollo interfaces, the things that I'm using and have used for years, there is no onboard signal or uh, DSP. So, you know, one of the main benefits I think that a lot of people love about the Apollo series, the, the big boy universal audio interfaces, is that it has that processing power so that you can record and mix with the DSP built into the mm -hmm. hardware. These don't have that. Okay. Which that's probably how they had to save some money. One know. of the main ways. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that they do to co cut costs, but I, you know, obviously we haven't gotten our hands on these things yet. I would imagine that if it's universal, universal audio, putting them out into the marketplace, they're going to sound pretty damn good. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. I mean, you know, if, if we get into the thing where we, you know, we travel or we want to do some portable podcast just to change it up, that's exactly what we need. That's it. Two channel guy like that. Yeah. I mean, granted, I already have that, uh, Apollo twin sitting right there. Oh, that's, you do. That's, that's right. designed yeah, for yeah, that. But you know, at the same time, if we didn't, then you get 200 bucks. Boom. You've got, you've got the answer right Did there. Did they say the price of the four channel one? I'm curious. The four channel one is three sixty nine. God, that's still cheaper than it's Focus Rights because the Claret, the four channel Claret is like six or seven hundred. Which they might have to respond, you know. Yeah, who yeah. knows? But wow. they're they're coming for them Dang. and uh, come from my if boys. You, but if you still, I should add, like I was saying, it doesn't have the DSP. But if you do want to go that route, you can still buy Universal Audio Satellite, which I've had, and then just do the processing that way. So, oh, okay, that still is an option that's for a you. Touch and tip right there. That's a tip. Here we go. Uh, this one, you know what, Dave? I've got to admit, uh, we've talked about this a little bit, not on the show yet, and I've got to admit that I have a slightly bad attitude about it. Okay. And that is the new fart pedal. Now's the time to air it out. 
Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I didn't get a chance to, to do that. Yeah, Usually you're quicker than effect. that, so I, I had to get oh, you. Oh, man, this fucking fart. You know, I was going to say, like, I mean, I did I did say that we're, I was going to be taking the piss or, or, or the shit, as it were, for this, because uh, well, it is the Serial Silly Projects guy, Steve Gadlin. Right who's done this so if anybody doesn't know steve gallon uh he first had a business i want to draw a cat for you which i can't blame the guy i, I bought mean, one yeah this was like 10 <laughs> years ago he's had a business on on uh shark tank get right purchased. i think that's where he first kind of blew up wasn't it i i, I don't know how I, I i heard about it before shark tank ever existed and okay. then i bought my ex-wife a cat picture so that was our, before our two cats. Shark tank. okay so that was before shark tank even existed and then yeah i don't know he's done he's an entrepreneur from chicago i'm not hating on the guy but i am kind of i just kind of feel like i'm hating on the pedal a little bit dave well and i and i think i know why yeah um but like let's talk about it a little so the pedal it's a it's it's the fart pedal you you plug it in like any other goddamn guitar pedal and it's it makes what you play come out as farts okay so here's the thing yeah so here's the thing i looked at many demos yes like three different demos right and it's all somebody playing, and then is and which sounds like a mic'd guitar, and then as soon as they click the pedal, it sounds like somebody making mouth fart noises into a microphone, and not playing the it's, pitches that you're playing. No, it's not playing like it, even the notes. Like he stops playing, and it's like it's it just it's a trigger, is what happens. So, but it so that's really what it does. Yeah. So it has, a, which I think is kind of funny. It has a wet dry switch. Well, that is that that's is a good funny. one. And then it has a, a blend knob. Essentially, it's like for full fart or not. <laughs> But no, it's not. It's not like um, you know. My mind co- goes to the Korg Miku pedal, or you could sample it into like um, you know, like Ferris Bueller style. Like uh, he samples. Oh yeah. Well, he's no nine, he's, nine times. He samples into the keyboard. Like oh, he him does coughing. the fart. Oh, the coughing. And exactly. then, but it's like him actually playing, and it. it'll map it across the keys. No, this doesn't do that. It just right. like no matter what you play, it just plays the same sort of like loop of fart sounds, which I just don't need that. If it was. What we're talking about, where like you could play, you know, fucking the Iron Man riff, yes, but it came out as farts in the in the correct t- notes. In the correct notes, I would already have kickstarted oh, this, dude. Dude. And by the way, I should add, so it's on Kickstarter still right now. When this episode comes out, uh, they had a thirty thousand goal dollar goal. Okay. When I looked this morning, they were at fifty two thousand already. So it's oh, already wow. been so it's happening surpassed. And then they've announced that there's a stretch goal. That if they hit sixty thousand dollars, then every single backer will receive an anniversary fart pack. On the one year anniversary of the project's closing date, we'll email email you a brand new pack of custom fart noises that you can add to your fart pedal, along with a video tutorial on how to install them. So it sounds like you can add new samples to this somehow eventually. Right. So this is a digital there's a digital thing going on. Oh, it has to be, of yeah. course. Yeah. All it is is just like there's some something that's looking for an input signal mm-hmm. and then when it sees the input signal it plays back it's like hitting like a, like a sample drum rolling pad yeah and you hit it and then it see and it feels that you got the hit and then it triggers the sound it's not like synthesizing fart sounds right or like um you know like the broken speaker pedal yes like i thought it was going to be like that like right. where you can still hear but it just sounds so crazy right i wish if it was like i said if it was yeah. that i would have bought it It could have been a cool like functional thing I, look i i'm not i'm not ragging on it i just think it's I thought I thought actually thought it was like a just a, like a April Fool's thing that came. Yeah, out you're like, is this serious? Is this right. a real well, thing? Well, because I was because all the videos is just like a guy mouthing farts into a yep. microphone. Like it's clearly recorded, you know, like separately. Like, and I, I think it might be using the pedal, but all the pedal is is just someone mouthing fart noises. So then it's okay. just triggering that little. So it's that sound. Little loop of sound. That's it's like it's like having a like having like a a boss like looper pedal, and all you have is just like a one fart sound recorded on there, and then your guitar playing just triggers that sound i gotta hear it through an amp i think that's the thing that's that would like be funny. messing with me because like when you hear it it i can't take my brain doesn't separate somebody just like mouthing a fart yeah. into a, a mic maybe if it comes through an amp it's going to sound like kind of but it's still not going to be f- tracking pitch right no i'm out i mean look I'm steve I, I like you man you're a chicago guy if you want to call in and like explain this to us and maybe you know give a little background where you come up with this fantastic idea we'd love to have you he on. already gave the background on the on the kickstarter and it was like Hey, I realized that there is no pedal that makes farts. So then I asked my friend if it was possible, and he said, "Yeah, but why?" Right. And here we are. That's what made me think the whole thing was just a troll. Like that's exactly. why I didn't really. It like, still could be. Honestly. I'd be afraid if I bought it. 
they I just get an empty box, like kind of like the empty box pedal. Oh, uh, the the Chibson. Oh, what was that one that he did with Johnny from yeah, Daredevil? Yeah. What was that called? I can't think of what I can't it was. Think of the now. Name, but it was it's like the snake oil or some yeah, shit like that. Yeah, it's literally just like a switch that does nothing. That does nothing. Yeah. That would be that would honestly be better to me, I think, than yeah. a fart pedal because right. the fart pedal it just all it does is just make everything sound like that one fart. Maybe we need to develop a real fart pedal. Like kind of based on like the the blown speaker pedal type yeah. of idea where you can actually play through. I mean, I've definitely gotten some fuzz pedals to sound kind of farty, you know. Dude, so we, we've we gotten can... that fuzz factory to sound pretty farty. That's once right, in a while, man. Maybe we maybe that's the move. Maybe we do. Maybe we just come up with our own. Figure fart out pedal. that and have Johnny build them from Daredevil, and Dude. then we'll just do it. Partnership, I like it. Love it. Uh, you know what? Let's just jump ahead to the final thing today because we've been rambling today, okay. and I want to talk a little bit about something I'm calling instrumentflation. Or instrument inflation, because okay. I don't know if you've seen this, Dave, but there are some price hikes that have happened recently in the gear world. Specific ones? Because I've just known across the board it's been going up. Specific ones. Okay. I'm glad that you've noticed it across the board as yeah. well. Uh, but I do feel like we have to revisit this once in a while. Every we few do. Yeah. Well, Gibson has just done a big across the board price increase. Oh. Uh, their Les Paul standards jumped from $24.99 to $26.99. Oh, this is on new gear. New gear. Uh, yeah. I thought we were talking old market. No, this is new gear. Okay. And the classics went up uh, 300 bucks to $22.99. I also saw a dealer on Reverb raised. They had a custom shop. Uh, 64 335 that was 5399 that they raised the price to 5999 mm. so we're seeing both the the original retail or the original manufacturer and then retailers ex post facto raising prices on stuff i saw a thread some guy was, said that he had a guitar in his cart and the price went up while it was in his cart no which way. you just never see wait yeah. what yes that can happen that can happen Oh my I mean, god! It did happen. So, I mean, uh, pretty crazy, right? And, and no explanation. No really. No press well, release. Well, there are no press release. But so I've done a bunch of research, Dave, and I've noticed that um, Ibanez has announced that to their dealers. This is like insider information, but they're announcing a price increase in February. Okay. Uh, Marshall, they might have done it already, but they have already acknowledged that they are going to be increasing their prices. Huh. First, I'll say oh, while I actually this is this is kind of interesting. I didn't I hadn't seen this while I was doing research on this and what like what was driving this. I noticed that Gibson just released two new guitars that I just like didn't even get a press release about. They're called the Raven Tribute Series, and they look pretty sick. It's just like a Les Paul and uh, an SG completely murdered out. Everything's all black, cool. and they've done that before with yeah. like different sort of goofy tribal inlays and stuff. But this one is just. Everything's all black except the inlays are dark gray dots. Cool. All the hardware is black, and they're um, eleven ninety nine each. Which their tribute special series. Those the last time I looked were like eight or nine hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So even that's as like as I was looking, I was like, oh, they released these new guitars. Just everything. Oh, up. they're way more expensive than everything had been before Shit. too. So it's. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've, I've seen the because um, I know they did one with like Army Green or something, or Olive Drab maybe or something like well, that. Well, man, that Chris Cornell signature 335 and Olive Drab yeah. was fucking sick. One of the coolest guitars I've um, ever touched. Well, yeah, I like this. I I've like always this wanted series. a super murdered out yeah Les Paul or SG, but they've had like a weird fist or a, like tribal pattern yeah. or something, and I'm yeah. like, nah, I don't know. But these are just straight up. It, the headstock has the. Um, like the 335 uh, crown. Oh, really? On it. Yeah, which is really, really nice. Is it just a standard ivory inlay then? Like, it's a darker it? looking right. color one. But the, the other thing that I noticed as I was looking at this, rich light fretboards. What's that? It's that like composite sort of um, like oh, no. carbon neutral. They put rich light on a lot of stuff now. Really? But it's a cheaper thing than rosewood or ebony, right. which you'd think a guitar that's murdered out like ebony would be the move. Oh, Although yeah. when you learn about ebony, you find out that we it's called ebony which is like black but most ebony isn't black is it dyed no it's not dyed it's just they only because guitar players liked it they've only used very specific dark parts of the ebony tree but the trees are mostly like weird they're beautiful like weird swirls and stuff but they aren't all black huh okay so that's it's it's very expensive just to get the black parts of the ebony tree yeah yeah so dave you might be asking yourself what's driving this well Mm. I've done some research, good, and it comes back to a lot of the stuff that we've been we've been talking about recently, with supply chain and uh, like we're ta- we talked about the silicon chips and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Well, um, and the trees, the trees too. Everything's got well. The thing is, everything's gotten more expensive to move around. So, mm-hmm. um, oh right, that makes it, sense. just more generally, I read this Fortune article 
It said, after months of moving record-breaking imports into congested ports in the U.S. and Europe, shippers have little capacity to add holiday orders into supply chain. So, again, this is October right now. Gibson is preparing for the holiday season, so that's why the price hikes happen now. Faced with an overwhelmed supply chain, companies have, that have yet to stock up for the holiday season are going to find it hard to do so now, according to this new report by S&P Global Market Intelligence. In a normal year, October is the busiest, busiest month for shipments into the U.S., uh, as companies get up, get ready for Black Friday, essentially. Uh, but this year, as the world economy jolts from the dead stop to this full resprint, if the usual way of doing things is falling short. Uh, the period of constriction actually began in March of this year, 2021, which saw the highest number of imports into the U.S. ever recorded. Since then, imports have stayed around the same level, and right now the U.S. ports at Long Beach and L.A. are already full capacity wow and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about like my brother-in-law yeah who, the shipping the ship the train yard that they mm-hmm. like literally are turning away shipments right now because it's it's Jeez. so busy and it's so much more expensive <sighs> to that point freight rates are at record highs with basic routes from china to the u.s west coast up one up 83 percent this year and to europe are even higher 134 percent since december so more than double yeah. Uh, the rates are continuing to rise. Shipping costs out of China, just out of China, have increased 10%, and we're up an additional 2.5% during the week ending September 24th, which is when this article came out. Uh, there is some good news for retailers. As Christmas comes and goes, inflation is expected to do the same. Uh, the Fed Reserve Chair Jerome Powell and counterparts in Europe, Japan, and England have all voiced assurances that supply chain disruptions that push up inflation would only be temporary. Uh, according to this main company, Oak, freight carriers have noted disruptions should ease by China's Lunar New Year on February 1st, which I will note is after Christmas. Mm-hmm. It is going to be an expensive Christmas, folks. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Inflation is up for all these all these main reasons. Now, there's there are, are a couple other things that are happening right now uh, that are driving this. We already talked about what I would call chipflation, mm-hmm. the silicon chips. We spent the whole fucking episode talking about that. Don't need to rehash it, but if we are interested go back and listen to that episode there are two other things gasflation uh like petrol you sure. know gasoline uh europe european and u.s gas prices have soared more than 350 percent and more than 120 percent respectively this year barrels of oil are up around 50 mm-hmm. percent the uk is fucked right now there are these crazy long lines like i'm sure any of our listeners in the uk could tell us like they've been queuing up as as they would say there and just like basically hoarding gasoline because there's after the whole Brexit thing, they've kind of fucked all that up and like they don't have the protection that Europe has anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge major deal right there right now. Like there's, you know, I'm big in the F1 stuff and there are people joking that they're trying to like figure out how to make their cars run on race fuel because it's easier to get than right. actual just like regular right, gas. Right. Because for their they cars. used to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Uh, methyl? Meth- methanol. Yeah. Methanol. Which is, yeah, that's a whole other thing. It's really dangerous uh, fuel. And then there's also foodflation. Global food prices rose 30% year over year. uh, With uh, While higher agricultural commodity prices are behind the jump, J.P. Morgan also attribute food price inflation to pandemic-related pressures such as these logistics disruptions and transport costs. So it's not just the guitar industry. Everything is seeing inflation right now. And we're because we focus on that we're bearing the brunt of it yeah essentially yeah man it, which is also i mean it is the you know it is the new market but it's also going to drive up the used market as well totally and that's know? what sort of what i want to talk about to close it down here is like first of all i in general i mean we do this is future gear we do talk about that kind of stuff but obviously you and i tend to prefer the used and vintage sure. stuff but it's it's not going to just be the new stuff because if all of a sudden you know, mom and dad who want to buy a guitar see that the guitar, the Fender that they wanted to buy that used to be 400 to 600 now, they're going to go look at the used market. Yep. Well, the used sellers like you and me are going to notice that and raise our prices yep. because, dude, I'm I'm getting, I'm selling, like, you know, I've got a ton of stuff. Go check out our reverb page at GearBuds, uh, reverb.com slash GearBuds. But I am getting, whereas before people would like try to haggle me, I'm getting just full price offer buys. Right. Left and right. Because they just know it's going to be more expensive. And because everything else. And, and it could be that I set my price when I knew what the market looked like at a certain time. And then in a couple of weeks, it's even gone up since then. And yeah. I haven't raised. I've only ever. I've never raised my prices on something that I was selling on Reverb. I've only ever dropped prices. You know what I mean? And now people are raising prices on that. I mean, it's it's actually something, you know, and, and I wouldn't blame you if you went back through and yeah. just kind of raised everything up a little. Because I'll be honest, man, um, I found my spreadsheet 
from uh, my Google Sheet I still have online mm-hmm. from when I sold, when I was really hardcore buying and yeah. flipping gear and guitars and stuff. And some of the prices I sold stuff for is like you'd never see that price today. Just a way cheaper? Just like, I mean, I, I bought a, uh, well, I got a great deal on it. I bought a, a stripped, uh, was probably one of the coolest things I bought, a 64, maybe, oh, I think it was 65, completely stripped, so the finish was gone, but everything perfectly original Fender Jaguar. Mm. And um, I bought it for like 1350 Oh, my God. And I sold it. I had it listed, I remember, for like 23 and nobody would touch it. And I think I ended up selling it for like 18 or something like Dude, that. Dude, if you listed that right now for 23 it would get it would be snapped gone instantly. And Which I did. Like when, when I saw the person who listed this one, I probably bought it. I would just refresh my page. Mm-hmm. Like I would have auto refresh on. And uh, it popped up and within 30 seconds I purchased it. Yeah. And um, I'm sure there were other people trying to grab it. So I got an incredible deal on it. My point is... For what I sold it for now, I probably could have made another five hundred, you know, two yeah. years later. So it's oh, at just, least. it's crazy to me. Um, I was like, going down this list, so I'm like, I guess everything's always going up, but now essentially you're going to see those prices really start to spike. It sounds, dude. Like. I feel like right, now, like if you were thinking about buying something, j- you should do it right now because it's probably going to be more expensive. Yes, soon. yes. And I and and similarly, I feel like if you're thinking about selling something there's almost no better time than right now to start doing it too because again if you want to sell it if you want to sell it unless you're, you're trying to get top dollar in, get, a, in a few months but i feel like top dollar is kind of going to be happening oh, right around now yeah i just mean if you want to hold out and get like another whatever that's always the know, risk right percent. you never know because well i mean how the market's going to fluctuate by the way it's going i, I think there's a pretty good chance i think it's right. going to get more expensive i think it's going to get more expensive especially based on the, as the holidays the research approach stuff. yeah man and i also have to say that in general, this is kind of pushing me further away from new gear and only thinking about used stuff. Well, I mean, you well, you're more of a used guy in general. Generally, but there are some things that like, I what, like. What do you like new? I mean, microphones, yeah, um, drum machines and synthesizers, that right. sort of more stuff. More electronic based, electronic based stuff. Yeah. But like guitars and amps, I'm. I mean, I'm almost always vintage. Oh used. yeah. Except for the Balthazar stuff, but that's just because I know the guy. You yeah, know what rules. I'm saying? So, uh, but otherwise, oh my God, yeah. yeah I'm. All, but even still, like, if I was thinking that I needed new microphones, which I don't, I need less microphones. But if I was thinking that I needed new microphones, I would be more likely to look used at this point than yeah. I ever have been in the past. Right. Like, um, like let's say the SM7, for yeah. instance. Like, I was looking at those because I, I think it sounds incredible. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just a great, uh, great mic for literally everything, everything. you could put it on. And, you know, I saw the used ones for, I don't know, what were the brand new ones? Like 399 or 400, I should say. Yeah, 399 yeah. And then I saw some people selling them for like 350 used. I'm like, all right, I would just pay the extra 50 bucks, get a brand new get one. Get a brand new don't one. Don't worry about somebody spitting all over it. And in stuff. the box. They yeah, it's clean. You're not getting their just, Rona mics. Exactly. So, but now in this case, you're right. If we start to see these percentages go up even more. Like if, if this mic now becomes $500 or something like that, I would be more likely to look for a used one. Right, for maybe 375 Exactly, which... Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I I have noticed that the used prices on these are almost identical to new prices. Yeah, that's why I thought that would be a good example because they it are really good close. Example. I mean, which, by the way, we <laughs> I don't know if you put it in the episode, but we dropped it. Dropped the shit out of and it, it just now. And it went bang, and uh, it's it's a tank. It's you know? a tank. So, I mean, sure. they have quite literally driven tanks over SM57s and, <laughs> yeah. and show that they still work. That's right, man. So, yeah, I, I, I don't really feel like there's a lot of insight to share with us other than the fact that, like, inflation is real. Those numbers that you're seeing are actually more expensive. Uh, and Gibson, I, again, I don't I don't know that they've put out a press release. I haven't seen one if they have, but I have confirmed. I've looked at the Zounds and Sweetwater and yeah. Same Day Music and American Musical Supply, all these sites, and their prices have all gone up from where yeah. they were. Yeah. And, and Fender already did two. I found out Fender has done two already this year, tw- like earlier on in the year. And then like summertime, they've done price increases. And as it's well. funny because, um, not to interrupt you, but it's with Fender specifically, you know, we're, we've seen that new line of Squire stuff come out mm, and they're right. doing those really wacky Squires and yeah. like some really cool vintage reissue stuff. And I'm like, I'm sent you the ad. I was like, dude, look at some of these cool guitars. Like for three ninety nine. Yep. Is what they're advertising them when they first came out. They might already be at four fifty. They might be more expensive you know? now. I haven't looked. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't keep it. I don't keep close enough tabs on the Fender or the Squire Epiphone. Yeah, I saw it in like an email things. blast yeah. for Reverb or something. Totally. But um, and plus Squire, I mean, their quality has just gotten so much better. It it's is hard to even turn it, it down. But I think that's good advice, man. I think if people, if you want to sell something, you know, that's the time to do it. If you if you want to get rid of stuff, but if you want yeah. to if you want to make even more money, maybe hang on to it. For another couple months, that's yeah. See. Play that speculative market. It's always tough to say. Depends I've got look. I've been listing stuff just because yeah. I'm sick of looking at it. But it's it's kind of 
Yeah, it makes me happy and sad because I want people to get good deals, but I also am happy to make more money off of those deals myself. So well, it's just look, man, I, I wouldn't blame you for just raising the price on everything just because, you know, you you, you can. It's not going to be absurd. You know, no. it might be 10% or 20%. I look at what other people are selling for. I look at what the things have sold for. Reverb makes it mostly pretty easy to yeah. surface that data. So I've just been using that. But now that, it, yeah, it kind of seems like prices are just going to continue to increase, maybe... I don't know. Maybe if you're looking for a good deal, hit up the GearBuds uh, reverb page these days and we'll see what's on there. I saw a pretty funny uh, uh, Boomer Facebook post on one of my Fender. Um, it was like the Fender Jazz Bass group or whatever. Uh-huh. And somebody posted a 1966 white, Olympic white Jazz Bass mm. matching headstock. Mm. Totally beat. I'll send you a picture of it later. It's completely beat up. It's like so cool. And it's original finish yeah. and it's original everything, but it's in China and they're asking 10000 American dollars for it. Hmm. Honestly... So, and somebody posted and was like, does this seem like too much? Now, it's not a vintage specialist group, so I would assume a lot of people don't really yeah. keep track or know about that stuff. Yes, the price is very, very good. $10,000. Mm-hmm. I went on headstock, Reverb. Yeah. It's original custom color. I went on Reverb. Everything custom color is fifteen to $20,000. Right. And people are like, no, it's like four or $5,000. And I'm like, okay, Boomer. Like, you're talk- okay, Boomer is you're right. talking about like maybe a sunburst like 10 years ago might be $5,000. Yeah, dude, if you can find a, a 66 Matchy for $5,000, send me the listing because I'll buy that shit right incredible. now. Even from China. I don't care. Right, yeah, yeah, I don't care. Ship it over, man. Shit, give, take months to yeah. ship it. I don't care. <laughs> I know, Whatever. Right? Um, but anyways, I th- I, those guys are going to be really upset when they hear about this stuff going up. Oh, even they're, more they're done. And that's, that's a funny thing I've been, I've, I've been seeing forum posts and it's like, Hey, are you guys seeing this too? Yeah. It's like, yep, we're all seeing it too. Yeah. It's really happening. There's nothing you can do about it. That's the times Shit. we're living in right now. Yeah. And if, yeah, so if you've got the money to buy stuff, you know, do it now before prices get even higher. Or if you've got the stuff to sell, I would say, get that shit listed. Maybe think twice about, you know, hanging on to that piece that you, you think you want to sell cause you could get good money for it. Um, but maybe you won't ever be able to buy it again because it's just going to get that much more expensive. Oh, man, that's the you know? the mental gymnastics I go through every <laughs> single time I'm selling something. That's why we have a podcast. That's why I'm looking at a SVT that I haven't yeah. played in months because I still haven't sold because I just don't want to. You're so nice, though. Yeah. Well, buddy, this All has right. been a good one. It has. If you made it this far, maybe go with some gear and then uh, go make some music. <laughs>